Okay. Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen, Allahumma salli wa sallim wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in, Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla, wa anta tajul al-hazna idha shi'la sahla, Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik, ya rabbil kareem, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Right folks, um, quick uh, check on the quality of the feed and the sound especially. What's the sound saying? Tell me that it's okay. Um, a bit of a change up this week uh, on a few missions, and so not at the usual, um, uh, not at the usual uh, uh, um, mic and uh, camera. But I think this is a good enough setup. We've been working on it earlier on today, and uh, I think it's good. I think it's good, inshallah. So I just want that confirmation. And uh, yeah, everybody seems to be happy here. Let's have a look. Yep, everybody is happy. All right, good. All right, folks. So. Um, hope everybody's well, inshallah. Um, so the, the email situation, obviously, uh, a lot of responses. Jazakumullah khair. And I'm glad that folks were responding whilst they were still checking their um, their lesson after we did it live. So I'm glad that people were commenting. I want people to be aware, by the way, that if you do leave a comment after you've watched the lesson, you're late to it because, you know, you're abroad and, you know, this kind of thing then um, I want you to know that people do still check the comments. Uh, I, I like to go and check the comments, respond here and there. Um, at the moment, it's not set up where I want it to be, okay? That's because the programming required to be able to notify us that people have got questions, etc., is above and beyond our capability at the moment. We're already punching way be uh, above our weight when it comes to what we're able to produce for what resources we have, um, uh, uh, the truth is, is that the vast majority of our costs go into the hosting service of the uh, program. We don't pay anybody any wages. We have some programmers that have to do things on a paid basis. And the the the, the donors that support the program, are bas basically, it, it breaks even. Effectively breaks even. We can't afford to go and get in the big people to do the big programming changes. Like, I, I'd like the app. Um, I'd like the mobile version um uh you know to get to um to get where i want it to be it's not where it is um it's okay of course however it needs to get better um it needs to do many things so the improvements happening all the time bugs are being fixed all the time it will take some time the email thing will take longer okay you know where the problem came don't you that bloody gdpr you know um I'm going. I'm not going to lie. I, I, has had a ding dong about this as well. I didn't want any uh, reliant. Uh, what's the word? Um, uh, yeah, exactly, Mariam. You know what I mean? She's had like. Do you want to just repeat, repeat that again? We, we don't get it. We don't understand. Can you just explain one more time? Bloody flipping. Honestly, Barendu man, speaking to us like we're little flipping bache. So anyway, so um, the uh, the. Um, uh, the emails GDPR required us to, you know, have to do some kind of uh, getting permission from people, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't care about that. No way. Am I, if people want to want to unsubscribe, like, 
my goodness gracious, yeah, right? It is so, we are so careful. I told you that last week because it's based upon my own preferences. We are so judicious when it comes to sending out emails. We send out the least emails ever. We're the least spamming people ever. Compliance, yeah. And and I was like, uh, not a chance. I don't care about compliance, this, not compliance, whatever. People don't want it, let them sign off. Never have we spammed anyone. And if people think we're spamming, then, then they just uh, sign out and that's it. Because I was being told that we'd have to take everybody off and then only those that wanted to go back on, going back on. I said, listen, once you've signed up, you're not signing back up again. And these people are gonna get lost in the system. Trust me, that's what's gonna happen. They said, that's the law, blah, blah, blah. Don't worry, they'll all sign back on. Did they all bloody sign back on? Look, all this parent who's here and saying no emails, no emails. Because what happened is that once you all then were taken off because of GDPR, then you were sent emails somehow, I can't remember how, to sign on. Loads of people missed that email, uh, you know, uh, tried to sign up again, blah, 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 blah. But there were compliance rules, don't allow you to do it except by going on a disc form and that shit. Yeah, I'm stupid, bakwas it was, man. Custom, I knew it that was going to happen. I knew that once that happens, yeah, people are not going to be able to get back on. Either because they don't want to get back on or they don't know they've got to get back on or they're going to try to get back on, but they're not going to get back on. And what happens? That's what happens. Ghassan, give me... Just give me what I need. I need a Denzel gift right now to express my frustration. And just, I know you'll find one for me. All right? Just, just, just. But anyway, Shazad Salim is Amir Saab and he wants to do everything correct and the right way. And, you know, Abu Dhar. Abu Dhar is the one who went, yeah, absolutely right. With that, yeah, it's true. Uh, 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 literally, he went so much hassle. And 17 years later, with that comes up with, you know what, we should have a Telegram group. Yanni, you know what? Listen, Sunshine, could you not have thought about that, Yanni, in GDPR days and save everybody all that headache ever? That's the one. That's the one. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, you know what it is. I can't, I can't because, you know, it's nice carpet here and it's got Diet Coke and everything, yeah? That is the... That's the one. When I said to you folks that Ghassan has a Denzel for everything, I know what I say. I don't make claims. Tell me right now that you lot are not bamboozled by how amazing Den uh, his Denzel gift collection is. We do this to each other. By, by the way, Ghassan, can, can you also give a shout out to your boy AE, by the way, that I've got some moves. That I've got some moves as well, yeah? You've got to admit, yeah, that I've also shown a few moves as well, right? Like, you know, he knows that, right? we got a game. There's game there. That's the one area that we're in. But anyway, alhamdulillah. All right, so. <laughs> anyway, anyway. See, you lot mess around too much, man. We can't even do the dust properly. So, um, uh, uh, inshallah, we're going to get the messaging thing working nicely to fill that gap until we get the email part sorted. And then... Um, we're going to get this email sorted, inshallah. And all the rest of the changes. There's so much in the pipeline, subhanAllah. So much in the pipeline. All right, folks. So um, last week was very interesting, actually. It was a very long lesson as well. Today, we're going to make sure we keep it around an hour, he said. Because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very, very close to the Bengali message. And you know those boys don't mess about. They're going to not... The problem today is that they're going to... 
The problem is that they're going to walk out, okay? They're going to walk out after an hour, and then they're going to come for me because I'm closed this time, okay? It's not Edgeware Mosque. Yeah, I think that's what they call the Edgeware Mosque. You know what it is? I'm sorry, we're not going with Edgeware Mosque. We're calling the Bengali Mosque, that's it. The Bengali Mosque boys, they're going to walk out after one hour. Hold on, are they even praying in COVID times? Did we not have that discussion? How are they even praying in the thingy? They can't even get together in the mosque. And so, so how are they so... Are they complaining from home? Are those cheeky fishes complaining from home? Am I actually believing this? That they're, they're actually... I can't even believe it. I think, they're, I, think they're, I think they're complaining from home. So we're going to keep it shorter. But I did go over last week's lesson. And I noticed that we covered an awful amount of usul, which is very valuable, especially for the new students. But also it's a good reminder for everybody else as well. We discussed a lot of principles. And in the end, we had a really nice discussion about you know, how we understand sharia from afar, how we understand yani, uh, the mood, the spirit of the sharia versus the text, the little text that we have that indicate dua points in the salah versus yani, you know, um, um, what you may think would be a good time for a person to... Uh, uh, actually um, make extra du'a and open up in terms of uh, language and and uh, you know that kind of thing so um, it was a lot of uh, it was a lot of uh, content um, now let's just finish off the remaining parts so what it, it what it is okay um, is the text that we are doing is going to be let's have a look here if this system opens up the old um uh why is that not showing me the text that did earlier on there we are right okay so we are wasu'alul maghfira marratan marra wa yusannu thalatha so we did the first statement we're going to cover today wa yusannu thalatha wa tashahhud al-awwal wa jalsatuhu so we covered that according to the humbly school its obligations are number five to ask for forgiveness by saying okay at least once in each unit, in each unit, in each raka'ah, basically, okay? But it is sunnah to say it three times. That's what we're covering today. Number six, the sixth obligation, according to the Hanbali school, is the first tashahud. The second obligation is to, so the seventh obligation and the final obligation, according to them, is to sit for this first tashahud. Everything other than the conditions, the pillars and the obligations that we have previously mentioned are considered sunnah. Whoever, A, leaves a condition without an excuse other than the intention because it can never be left out, or B, intentionally leaves a pillar or an obligation, then their prayer is invalidated. But other than this, the prayer is going to always be fine. So that is the next section that we're covering. That probably is about two lessons worth. Okay, that's probably two lessons worth. So if we can turn to page 322 in Al Mumtia, for those who are following in the Arabic commentary, and for those who are not, then just uh, bear with us and uh, make your notes. So the Sheikh says that it's, it's, it's a sunnah to, or the author, I should say, says it's, it's a sunnah to say this three times. That's Rabbi Ghfirli, Rabbi Ghfirli. 
the evidence that they consider is a, a hadith that's narrated by Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiallahu anhu. He narrated that Okay, so this is very interesting actually. There's a hadith narrated by the Prophet which we actually covered last week, a hadith which is authentic, hadith of Hudayfa, where the Prophet when he was in his sajda, when he was in between the two sajda, he would say, which is obviously super clear that it's twice. Twice. However, we said that obligatorily speaking is only once. To say is, is sufficient. Whether you consider it to be an obligation or a sunnah, forget that for a second. But the statement itself is sufficient to say once. Okay? But it's sunnah to say it more. They said three times. But the hadith says twice. So why would it then get to become three? And that's because as Sheikh Uthameen says, he goes that Actually, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ said the du'a, this is very interesting, said the actual du'a twice, indicates that it's allowed to increase on it. It's not just meant to be said once, like Surah Al-Fatiha, for example, right? So, like, like theoretically, if the Prophet ﷺ had recited Surah Al-Fatiha in the prayer twice, there would be a discussion right now that it's a sunnah to say it three times or five times, or seven times. There would be a discussion there. Or, or rather, we could open the door to that discussion. The fact that the Prophet ﷺ said it twice opens a discussion to the fact that this is a dua and a dhikr, which the Prophet ﷺ normally has a principle that he says them three times. The dhikr, adhkar, three times. And we said last week about this issue of positions. So we've just come from a position of the sajda where we said, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la, and we know that that's three times a sunnah or five, or seven, etc., 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 with one being an absolute obligation. And then it's going to be followed by the same. We've just come from a ruku, which has had something similar, etc. So we've had repetitions, repetitions, and three is coming up. And so therefore, that is why the Hanbali school consider it to be a sunnah, to say it three times. Now, um, even though the hadith indicates two, but you understand the value of the hadith indicating two, because the hadith indicating that it was said twice takes it out of the one only bracket. And once you take something out of the one only bracket, then witter is what then, or the odd factor, as opposed to even, the odd number yani rule comes into play, that everything is great when it's odd. Every dhikr that you make should be odd. Every kind of action you should do should be odd. And in general, in general. It's difficult to, to without evidence, take that too far. But I, I think you get the the the, uh, the, the idea anyway. So, um, so that's the Hanbali uh, position. The majority of scholars are relaxed upon that. They're saying that any kind of dua that you say at this point is sufficient. It's okay. And I'm okay with the class position to stick with the, the three as well. I don't want to make it, though, only three. I definitely don't want to do that. So my idea is that it is good to increase on the du'a. I believe that it should be opened up from anyway. I don't believe in this wording is obligation anyway as my position, as the class position, right? So I'm happy with Allahumma ghafirli, Allahumma ghafirli. I'm happy with that being said once. I'm happy with that being said three times. The hadith says, Rabbi ghafirli, Rabbi ghafirli. So uh, in, in, in this point, okay, I think there's flexibility and to repeat it more than once as a sunnah is, is, is an acceptable position, obviously, according to a number of scholars. Sahar will take this, uh, this question because it's just not on this. Uh, we'll take this at the end. Okay, make sure you remember, remember to um, 
uh, remember to to uh, repeat your question. Um, the odd preference is not just a Hanafi thing, uh, Fiza. Okay, the odd the odd preference is a Sunnah aspect. So the Prophet ﷺ, when he used to pray Salatul Witr, he would go to three, five, seven, eleven. Okay. And we know that in the tasbihat, we know that in his sunnah in general. Maybe you can say the Hanafi school might be might be emphasizing it, but I would actually indicate, I would actually opine that of the older madhahib that I get the feeling that restrict numbers most is actually the Hanafi school when it comes to the, the prayer. So this is, Adil, this is why I don't want to say this statement being said three times is the sunnah. That's why you would have seen me say in the word that I'm trying to say that I get it in the Hanbali school, they're saying that three times is the sunnah. But I'm saying that this, I'm saying not even this statement is the sunnah to say three times. I'm saying that if a person wants to say Rabbi he should say it twice like the hadith states. But he has the permission to increase on it because the, the fact that the Prophet said it more than once, then he would be, he would be, he's already opened up the door for it to be said five times, seven times. We, we know that him saying Allahumma wa wajiburni wa rzuqni, yeah, wahdini, that, 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 that being present in the hadith takes the pressure off the word Rabbi uh, 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 not being necessary. So Allahumma can be the operative command. Oh Allah, forgive me. Allahumma as opposed to Rabbi Rabbi So my personal practice, okay, uh, uh, is that I will never say Rabbi Ghfirli three times. I will say Rabbi Ghfirli twice. I will, I will mix it up with Allahumma Ghfirli Warhamni, that which is narrated. But in principle, with all of the Adhkar and Tasbihad, it is flexible in the aspect of Witr. Okay? Um, and as Juwariya asks, why is everything better when it's done in odd numbers? Because it's a Sunnah. The Prophet loves Witr. The Prophet told us Allah loves Witr. The Prophet, the Prophet practiced Witr. So, we have a statement from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Hadith Qudsi. We have uh, an indication from the Prophet which is not Hadith Qudsi, about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have the Prophet doing it. We have the Prophet saying it. All of these are differing levels of evidence, different forms, if you like, of um, evidence. So, um, that's a good question, Sumaira. That's a question for the Hanabila to answer. What would two actually be? it would be something which would be better than one. That is the answer with no authority. I'm not answering that with humbly authority, but I can tell you from a scholarly point of view that if one is a bare minimum and it's understood that to increase upon dua and dhikr is better and that three is the sunnah, then two would be better than one, but not being the sunnah of the Prophet I'm guessing. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Okay? Um, so when I give the example that of, of, of Witr, one being one, three, five, seven, nine, then you will always have the two ways of doing it. That would be two, 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 and then the final rakah by itself. When I say two, I mean giving salams from two and then starting again, then starting again. So in the case of five, you would do two salams, two, and then salams in a single unit. And then the second way of doing it would be that you would have no sitting down at all. So you'd be five, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, then only one, tashahud. Okay. That is the uh, basic principle. So, yeah, Hafsa, the class position uh, is not that it one is wajib as we covered last week, right? We said last week, Iram, all right, uh, that the class position 
as is the position of all of the fuqaha other than the Hanbali school. And we even argued last week that even the Hanbali school is differing over this, that none of it is mandatory at all, whatever it is in between the two sajdas. Once you're sitting down, you don't need to say anything. But it is a sunnah to make the dua, as we mentioned uh, last week. Again, revise that session that we said last week. Okay? All right. So... Um, The next point then. وَالتَّشَهُدَ الْأَوَّلْ وَجَلْسَتُهُ So the first tashahud and then to sit for it. And Sheikh Uthameen says this is the seventh and the eighth. And of course we is... So this is very interesting. Naeem who's our resident uh, Hanbali uh, expert. Ibn Qudama, he's saying that uh, Ibn Qudama says that twice is sunnah and thrice is completion. Naeem, what's the mu'tamad in, uh, uh, with the Hanabila? What's the established position about the Hana, uh, uh, with the Hanabila? And what does completion here in terms of reward mean if it's better than the sunnah? How are they justifying that being better than the sunnah? So um, what is the actual phrase? as opposed to translating it, and if you, if you can explain to the students here what is actual, uh, uh, the, the, the two things I mentioned. And whilst I, I'll carry on and you, you write that down. So, um, seventh and eight, according to the um, uh, disnumbering, all right? But the remaining obligations basically are the sitting, uh, the, 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 the tashahud, and then the sitting for the tashahud, Okay. Okay, so Al Kamal. So here's the so here's the question name. Just like Rivers is asking, right? Okay. By definition, if something is established to be the Sunnah, which is the perfection of an action, okay, what is going to be better than that? If we understand it to be the uh if we understand that to be the optimum. Because there's an idea that to repeat the Sunnah more times than one is what's perfect, what's perfection and optimum. But to say that something different to the sunnah, something different to the sunnah, as opposed to repeating the sunnah, it'll be interesting for the explanation of what Ibn Qudama intends by that. More important though, what's the established humbly position as opposed to Ibn Qudama? Because you know that he's already gone against the madhab in the position here. Oh, not against the madhab, but against Imam Ahmed. Uh, his, his uh, uh, according to our humbly school interpretation, Imam Ahmed does not consider it wajib to be at all wajib for uh, to be said once, as you know the difference. So, what is what is the actual established position with the twice and three times? Um, yeah. Now, what is the the tashahud? When we say at tashahud al awwal, what are we referring to? We're referring to the words, as Sheikh Uthameen uh, says, At-tahiyyatu lillahi wa salawatu wa tayyibatu As-salamu alayka ayyuhan nabiyu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu As-salamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh This is what is known as tashahud al-awwal. This is, or rather, this is known as the tashahud that's being referred to. And this, of course, we covered earlier on in year eight. You can look in the notes. And we are saying here now that it is an obligation. Okay, an obligation. Now, let's have a look here. Um, the Hanbalis would think that such as done as in wudu, as reported by Uthman, doing the twice washing, but general practice of the Prophet ﷺ is the washing of thrice. The Mu'atamad is thrice. 
Okay, nice. So the uh, established position in the Hanbali school is to consider it to be three times. Okay, to be considered to be three times. Um, but there you go. There's another. You know what it is? I have a I have a principle. I have a principle that you know when you see something. Um, but it, this comes across quite rude, so you've got to understand that that's not my intention, all right? But this is the kind of way that students of knowledge will speak to someone, uh, speak about an issue. Because these are not our just scholars, these are our imams, they're the pillars of our religion. And they're, 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 their knowledge is not just miles above us, it's in a different, it's in a different galaxy. Not in the, you know, I don't know which one's bigger, universal galaxy, but universe, all right? It's a whole different level. Um, but I personally think that once you once you dig a hole for yourself, yeah, you just unfortunately you're trying to get out. You keep digging. You'll find out throughout all the madhab. You'll find that in every madhab, every scholar, every teacher that they mess up, yeah, and it just they, it, you just keep digging a hole. Now, this is something that everybody's guilty of. All of us. Like I can think of the last time that I did that was an absolute classic. Um, it was, I was teaching inheritance and I mistook something and I was asked a question and instead of saying, that's interesting, let me, uh, let me, let me think about that. I dug a hole so deep for myself, yeah, that I literally drowned in that hole, literally drowned in it. And um, when I say I, am I back live again? How on earth did that call go through? That's the, the question. I turned it off and it went through. Am I still live with you guys? Confirm because I got a call come through. All right, good. So, um, the uh, uh, when I was drowning in that, okay, I'll tell you now that I wasn't drowning without basis. I had I had some Sahaba on my side. I had. Yeah, and a few imams on my side, but you fall into a very, not a dishonest, but a weak, weak form of fiqh, where you're scrabbling around to try to find people to support your position because you messed up. Or, or rather, not even you messed up, but you want it for some kind of reason, right? Uh, maybe some personal reason. Maybe, it's, maybe you have even a nefarious kind of intention. So, for example, you know, we face this all the time, by the way, with scholars out there that are very liberal or have become liberal or are under pressure, you know, or scholars, for example, who are pandering to women, for example, or feminists, for example, or uh, men who don't have any kind of female following. And so they become very macho towards men. Right. So and, uh, you know, and they want to hold on to that support. So they interpret things, you know, in a way where effectively they come across as being objective and evidence-based, but instead they have already put forward a hypothesis which is actually already flawed because they've already, uh, the whole study is actually just trying to prove what they want uh, to follow, as opposed to actually bring out the evidences for the correct position. So I'm not saying that's what's happening here, but what I'm saying is that when you are going to go out on a, a, a risky position, like saying that, it's obligatory to make this dua once, which by all accounts is as risky and controversial a fiqh position that you will find in the kind of mundane area of non-controversial fiqh, which is salah. Because it's not exactly politics or iman or uh, aqidah and 
you know, belief in the hakim that he's a kafir or some, you know, crazy behavior like that. It's prayer at the end of the day. It's a dua. You can, you can only be so controversial, right, in this area. So, but once you've gone as controversial as it gets, you're going to come up with problems and you have to keep batting off these problems. And it's a difficult one. How do you start justifying the concept of kamal, that there's perfection after the, the repetition of the say the statements being said twice and uh, three times being his normal act and it's say it's there twice and you're saying it's three times you know etc 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 rehan let me tell you something yeah uh, rehan okay yes you were in that class that's exactly what happened and by the way i want you to know that i was actually upon the opinion of uthman myself but I should not have been so happy to go against the majority. Yeah, everybody's obviously not understanding what we're talking about. But Rehan has clocked on to exactly when I dug a hole for myself recently. Right. And that was in the that was in the very kind of, you know, uh, uh, what's the word? Not very important issues of fiqh among students. This happens all the time when uh, people are becoming, you know, under pressure to please other people, they've got a job issue, politics, saying things to please people. Look at the Sudais Khutbah, for example, at the moment. You know that, you know, just chatting nonsense. He's, you know, um, and you can see that a person, once they're compromised, and he's been compromised for a good few years now since the, the Egyptian uprising, then you can start to, you, you start to see everything else then falling apart, falling apart. But anyway, so, yeah, it's not, it's not a mega, it's not, it's not mega problematic at all. I'm just saying that it's not exactly, you know, people are reading that and you've you got, you've you got a question left, right? You're hearing Sunnah and Kamal and you're requiring explanation. We now have to go to a commentary. We have to find some other scholars to explain it. We have to find someone who can try and justify it. It's made a simple issue really messy. And that's my point. It, you know the right position, you know the correct position, it doesn't need that kind of stuff. That's one of the interesting things about Ibn Taymiyyah, by the way. You know, why am I a massive fan of Ibn Taymiyyah? In fact, why is everybody a big fan of, of Ibn Taymiyyah? Uh, a lot of the time, he says things and he holds positions that just make sense. And that in itself doesn't mean someone's right. But when you get to a certain level of fiqh, teaching and studying, okay, you start to notice that some positions and some madhabs and some scholars have just really got the situation clocked on. Like the Shafi'is when it comes to the Salah. There's, like, there's a, a general agreement that when it comes to, the, you know, different, different schools have different games you know, when it comes to their, their uh, areas. There's an understanding that the Shafi'i school has a real, ga has real game when it comes to the prayer. Okay? Um... Uh, like a, almost like a specialist area. Now it's difficult to say that statement, except to people who appreciate that, because there's almost, uh, you know, an indication. That's almost kind of like saying that, uh, you know, oh, what? So the Humblies don't, or the Hanafis don't. No, but it's just that that's just they're, they're particularly strong. You hear that statement a lot, and when you study it, then you realize it. I don't know whether the Hanafis are strong in halal chicken or not. I don't know about that. I know the Hanafis are very good in Islamic finance, modern days. Yani utilization, you know, it's very interesting Islamic finance because if you if you look at it, today's major founders of the science are Hanafi. However, they've not made that from just Hanafi positions. In actual fact, it can be argued that the single greatest tool 
that they used out of the Hanafi school to try and create some space for themselves in the modern uh, era was using a Maliki uh, move, which is the concept that a promise can be held as binding and not be less than a contract, so it's not binding, but still be taken to court over, so it's binding. And just this little move, by the way, opens up so many doors that the Hanafis had closed, Shafi'is had closed, Hanbalis had closed. The Malikis probably didn't even realize its power, okay? The Hanafis of the, of the modern times were like, you know what, we'll take that. And they ran with that, and they ran with it to a way where they were able to create contracts. And all. I mean, it's controversial, there's no doubt about it, but, you know, it, you know, it is what it is, right? Okay, so... Um, uh, and there's so much to say about that. I mean, Adil is mentioning, you know, synergies within Madahib. You know, this is a great response to people who are obsessed with madhabs. Okay, that even the greats of the madhab, they know that their madhab are restricted. You have to step help. And you have to be yani, open-minded. And you have to borrow from other schools. And then no truth is within one madhab. There's, a, there's, a, there's anyone who doesn't claim that, or everyone, anyone who doesn't believe that, they should not be teaching or you shouldn't be taking knowledge from them. However, it's also true, the reverse argument or the, 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 the counter argument, that this is only the case with modern issues, ishtihadi issues, relative issues that require, whereas the day-to-day the -day nuts and bolts of Islam should just be kept yani, within a madhab to stop confusion. And that's pretty much going to work. And that's, that's true. Frankly, that's true. All right. Um, so that's the tashahud, all right? What what are we saying? We're saying it's obligatory. Okay, it's obligatory. Why are we saying it's obligatory? Uh, Sheikh Uthameen says on page three twenty three. That's because of the hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu an. He said, He said that التشهد, We used to say before the the tashahud became fard upon us. Da, 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 da. This statement indicates that the tashahud became fard. This hadith is narrated. This actually hadith is not the strongest. It's an athar. Um, but some scholars said it, and we covered this in detail in year, in year eight. Um, and it's narrated in the Sunan of uh, Adar Qutni, I think, if I remember it correctly, because it's one of those famous ones. Uh, let's have a look. Page 161. Okay, we look at the footnotes of 161. Yeah, it's in the Sunan of Imam Adar Qutni, volume one, uh, number 350. Okay, this athar has been collected. And it's an indication, basically, that it was considered to be obligatory, that the shahud becomes obligatory. So that's yeah, nice and easy, really simple, all right? That allows us to be able to consider that to be not a sunnah, not a light matter, but an obligatory matter. Someone might say, hold on, if that hadith, is, if that's the evidence you're using to make this important before it became obligatory upon us, before it became fard upon us, faraz upon us, yeah? then what's the evidence of not taking it all the way to the level of rukan, to make it a pillar of the prayer, to make it so important like the farz is, like the obligation, obligation, hardcore, yani important matter is. So that's a really good question actually. And the answer to that is that, no, no, it is obviously more than a sunnah because the hadith states that it used to be an obligation, but it's not to the level of rukan. Why? Because... A rukan is such a thing, a pillar in the prayer, is that thing, which if it's not there in the prayer, the prayer collapses. It cannot be compensated for. If it's missing, the prayer is over. 
It can't be just, oh, I forgot to pray, recite, I forgot to recite Surah Al-Fatiha, or I forgot to do the whole first raka'ah, or I forgot to do sajda. So at the end of the salah, I'll just say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Allahu Akbar, and do sajda sahu two times, and that's the end of it. No, we're going to cover sajda sahu in the next few months. That's the next big chapter. The sajda sahu, the, the prostration for forgetfulness, the prostration for fixing problems, can only fix minor problems. It cannot compensate for the missing of a rukun. If you miss out a rukun, the only way to fix that prayer is to go back and add that rukun back in again. And not only that, you have to do the sajjah as well. We're going to learn this, obviously, in its section. All right? So remember that rule. If something is a rukun, you not only have to do the act that you've missed out, but you also have to then compensate as well, meaning do the sajjah Whereas a, whereas a wajib, an obligation, is important, but not to the level of a rukan. It can be missed out by accident, by forgetfulness, not intentionally. And you do not need to go back and fix it. You just do the actual sajdazahu uh, at the end and is compensated for it. And so therefore, as Hadith has just written, the difference between the rukan and a wajib is that the wajib can be compensated for and the rukan can't. The rukan has to be repeated, has to be done. And I know that uh, uh, Rija is asking a question about what happens, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's for the section that's coming. Okay, we're not going to do such sahu and mistakes now. All right, that's his own time. So, so, th so that, that's a principle. Now, do we have any evidence then that this tashahud is either a rukan or an obligation? We so far don't. We just know that it's very important. At the moment, actually, it's coming across that it's like a rukan. But how do we bring it down from a rukan to an obligation? Because of this hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, hadith is narrated by Bukhari. The hadith does not indicate with definitive yani, clarity whether it was a salat al-dhuhr or salat al-asr, but it was one of those two. It does not clarify definitively whether how, how early did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam cut the prayer. But basically, he made a mistake in the prayer. He finished early. He missed out a whole uh, unit of the prayer. And when he did that, okay, uh, and when he did that, he went back and he made up the unit, units, so one or two units. So, so he actually, we covered this hadith last year. He actually exits the prayer, okay? And then he turns around, he's got doubt and he knows something's wrong. He feels it in his bones. He turns around, people start giving it some, you know, is this new prayer? What's going on? Abu Bakr and he said, yep. They're right what they're saying. You did, yani, you know, you haven't prayed the prayer completely. And so the Prophet ﷺ went back straight in, Allahu Akbar, did the prayer, the, that which has been missed out, and then did sajda sahu at the end. This hadith proves that if you ever miss a rukan, then you must complete the thing that you missed out and then do sajda sahu. However, however, we know that when the Prophet ﷺ 
missed out the tashahud, and he did that once, he missed out the tashahud al-awwal, meaning this middle tashahud, this first tashahud, okay? By the way, uh, I've been saying uh, uh, tashahud. When I say tashahud, um, first and second, or rather more correctly, first and last, okay? Because it's theoretical that you could pray three tashahuds, right? You could do three tashahuds if you came late to a prayer. You would join one, then you would do a second one, then you would do the, the, the third one. That's why it's best to say first and third. Even though if you're praying by yourself or praying correctly with an imam, you will never pray more than two tashahuds, right? But it is theoretically possible to have three. Now, or you end up doing three. So the first and the uh, uh, last. I want you to know that the first is what is obligatory and the last is an actual rukan, meaning that it's an absolute essential part of the prayer itself, okay? And that's what's been indicated in this text earlier, and that is what's being indicated here. And why have we relegated uh, um, uh, the first shahud from a level of rukan down to obligation? Simply because when the Prophet ﷺ missed this, he didn't make it up. So we know that the Prophet ﷺ was praying a prayer, a dhuhr prayer, and he's gone up to the first, sorry, he started with the first, and he's done the first and stood back up again. He's done the second, and he should be sitting. He didn't. He stood back up again. So he forgets to sit for the tashahud, the first tashahud. What does he do? He carries on like the prayer has been unaffected. So he went down for the third, stood back up again. Went down for the fourth, sat. And as he sits now, okay, he is now sitting in the last tashahud, having missed out the first tashahud. If this was a rukan, then at some point when he remembers, he would have just sat down and done it. He would have just sat down and done it. He didn't. He ignored it. And at the end of the prayer, he goes, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, and then he goes the sajda sahu, proving to us that it's not the same process for missing out a rukan which would indicate it's not a rukan, which indicates it's an obligation, which indicates a new rule. Every obligation in the prayer that is missed out by forgetfulness or by accident, it is not repeated. It is not got back to. You do not revert to the raka'ah you missed it in. You carry on and you then compensate for it with sajjah sahu. All of this is coming up later in detail in the sajjah sahu section. Okay? Um... And of course, though, let me make it clear, and you should write this down, okay, that it is absolutely uh, the case only if you forget or you make a mistake when it comes to the missing out of an obligation. If you intentionally miss out on obligation, the prayer is finished. Yani, it's as, 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 uh, as, as, as you're going to see. All right. Then something interesting. He said the sitting for it. Okay, and this word jalsa, all right, if you look at the, the uh, text, all right, this word jalsa has got a fatha on it. And the word jalsa, it can be said with a fatha and it can be said with a kasra. They mean two different things. In the Arabic language, the uh, when you have this particular type of what we call a wazan, 
and this is upon the wazan of fa'la, okay, as opposed to fi'la. Fa'la is jalsa, fi'la is jilsa. The meaning is actually different. They're very similar, but it's subtly different. Wajalsatuhu means to sit for it is obligatory. So, the penultimate obligation of the prayer is to make sure you say the first tashahud, in the middle of a dhuhr uh, prayer, asr prayer, maghrib prayer, isha prayer. Obviously, it's not referring to the fajr because there is no first tashahud in, in the fajr. There's only one, and that's the last one, and that's a rukan of the prayer. It's an absolute pillar. So we're really only talking about the rest of the prayers, all the sunnah prayers, all the witr prayers, and the dhuhr, asr. Basically, prayers that are more than two rakah. Yeah, so three and uh, uh, three and three and above. The obligation is to say the tashahud, and then the second obligation is to the second obligation is what to sit for it, to sit for it. What that basically means is that it is theoretically possible to say the tashahud standing, and that's true. I have more than on, on more than one occasion read Fatiha in the tashahud. And I have on more than one occasion recited the tashahud the, the in the uh, Fatiha position. So I stood back up, Allahu Akbar, at-tahiyyatulillahi wa salawatu wa tayyibat. You know, like it's only when you get to Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan abdul rasulu, and you say Ameen, and then you think, what the fish am I doing? Right? What about just said Ameen to? All right? And then you realize that obviously your mind's gone somewhere. So, it is technically possible to even be in a position where you are in sajda and you start tashahud, or you stand up and do meaning that it's, it's crazy, obviously, but it's there for completion. Okay? It's there for completion. Yeah, by mistake, of course. Who's going to do it on purpose, Shaz? Yeah, behave yourself, man. I'm, not, I'm a plum, but not, not that much of a plum. Yeah? So, um, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I've been there, bro. I do the mad ones. So, uh, uh, it's there just to kind of, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's that, hey, uh, you got to do the tashahud, but you got to make sure that you do it. It's only valid when you're doing it sitting down. You're only valid when you're doing it sitting down. That's the basic uh, uh, principle. If, however, the obligation was وَجِلْسَتُهُ to sit with a jilsa, then it would be obligating the manner of the sitting. As Sheikh Uthameen explains, that it's the hay'ah then. It would be the form. Now, what does that mean? We know that when it comes to the sitting, there are different ways of sitting. All right? We've covered that in year 7 and year 8 in huge detail. Go back to that. Do the search amongst the notes in the transcribed notes or in the lessons, and then you'll, 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 you'll come across all of that there. You will know that there's a sunnah way of a liftirash, right foot up, left foot down, okay? That's a sunnah position all the time. And then you've got the sunnah of tawarruk, which is to slide the left foot uh, uh, underneath yourself to your buttock then sits on the floor. Your left foot comes underneath your thigh, comes, pops out. And that's yani in the third and the fourth raka'ah when you're sitting. So I want you to know that for tashahud, there's a sunnah way of sitting. In the tashahud al-awwal, Meaning the first tashahud, there's only one sunnah way of sitting, and that's iftirash. Okay? Let me, let me make that clear. Everybody, all the, all the students should yani, know that. Okay? That in the uh, first tashahud, 
which is going to be, you know, the first sitting in the Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha. The only Sunnah way is to sit like normal. Sit on your left foot, right foot up. There's only one way. If the obligation was wajil satuhu, it would mean that it is obligatory for you to sit like this. Obligatory. What do we believe? The Hanbalis, the majority of scholars, in, that, in fact, I don't know if there's any difference on that, certainly the class position, that it is sunnah to sit like this. But if you were to sit like this, or like this, or on your toes, or X, Y, Z, all of that, whilst you're in tashahud, your tashahud would be valid, and your prayer would be valid. That's the position of everybody. And that's so important. Even if you were to sit cross-legged. So if you were to sit cross-legged in the prayer without a need, if you have a need because you've had an operation and you can only sit cross-legged or legs straight out, for example, and you have a need, then you get fully rewarded for the prayer. It's not, it's, it, there's, there's no problem with that whatsoever. However, if you have no need and you are sitting cross-legged or whatever, then this is not good. Some scholars even consider makruh because what are you doing, right? Um, but the prayer is not invalidated according to the vast majority of scholars. The prayer is not invalidated if you are sitting down. And that's the point of this وَجَلْسَتُهُ That it's obligatory to say the tashahud and it's obligatory to be seated. However you sit down in brackets is basically being indicated. And that would mean even if you were cross-legged, even if you were this, even if you were that. However, if the Arabic said وَجِلْسَتُهُ then it would mean it is obligatory to make the tashahud Al-awwal, the first one, and obligatory for you to sit like this for it. And if you don't, then the prayer is invalidated unless you then make up for that mistake at the end. So you'd, every time you sit like this, you'd have to do sajjah sahu at the end. And even that's not right because if you're doing it intentionally, then your prayer is invalidated as you're going to come and see. So I hope that that part, part makes sense. That it's a nice little bit of Arabic. Uh, uh, yeah, seated on the, well, seated on the floor in principle. If there's a person who had some kind of problem, then only the chair. But it's never allowed for a person to sit on a chair without any reason. Never. It has to be the floor. Okay? So, obviously, if a person has a reason, then it's something which is allowed. Miraj, mashaAllah. Miraj, where are you? Are you uh, abroad? Are you in Kuwait or are you in uh, Manchester? That's what I want to know. If we miss a unit, we just complete that unit. But if we miss the rukan and finish the bro, you want to behave yourself. That's the prayer. That's the question coming for next uh, section. Uh, not 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 now because all of these all of these section all of these things about um, how you do this, how you do that. That's coming later. Um. All right. Okay. The next then statement is. Okay, so that's that's the any the uh, that's the uh, part on sitting. And um, that's the obligation of tashahud thingy. Are there any questions on tashahud itself and its setting? Are we happy with that? Yeah, that's the obligation. And any other questions, by the way? Because there is actually now nothing left. We've covered the rukan to do with tashahud. We've covered the sunnah to do with tashahud. Everything that's said inside it, how you sit for it. All of it, we've spent the last four years on that. So go back and uh, uh, go and uh, deal with that. Okay? And... Um, Someone can answer Umruqay's question. Mesa or Zafar will do a great job. Where's Zafar that fish? Zafar, you lazy packy. Where are you, by the way? Zafar, if you are not here writing like the clappers, yeah? Okay? Unbelievable lazy guy. 
We got all age, we got all kids identified and their ages. And Zafar basically, what we concluded, Zafar has the least excuse, you know, not to be doing the most work. By the way, we want to give big Mubarak to uh, Nadif and Amreen, mashallah. Okay, yeah, I know you were chilling. Answer some questions, you lazy packy. Nadif, mashallah, and Amreen, they were blessed with the baby boy, mashallah. Uh, obviously, our PG team members, yeah, two, two days ago. So uh, Amreen's back home, mashallah, nice and healthy. We don't have a name. They're nameless boy at the moment. Okay, unbelievable. Three days in and no name. But uh, Nadif, um, and, uh, you know, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless him and waja'alhu min qurrata'inihima jami'an, insha'Allah. That's good news. So, um, وَمَا عَدَىٰ شَرَائِتِي وَالْأَرْكَانِي وَالْوَاجِبَاتِ الْمَذْكُورَةِ سُنَّةِ And everything other than what we've... So basically, we've come to this part now where the author is going to definitively state that everything that we've covered before, which are conditions, which are pillars, which are obligations, all of these things are the very, very important things. Everything other than that is supererogatory, i.e. it is sunnah. It is rewarded, great acts, but none of it is obligatory. None of it is vital and essential in, in that as much that if you were not to do it, then the prayer would be invalidated. So that's basically a nice and easy way of me having to, you know, the other way is to say, this is sunnah, that's sunnah, that's sunnah. No, it's just basically easier for us to say, well, we are able to identify the small number of obligations and pillars and whatever. Let's identify those and say everything else. Yeah, well, that's basically a sunnah. Everything else is then super prerogatory. Right. So this is not the Ambreen, by the way, of... Uh, our uh, the one I just spoke in terms of uh, Nadif's misses. This is a different Amreen. She's asking, why is the sitting position so important when only the tashahud is important and a rukan? I don't think I understand that Amreen. I don't think I understand the question. Okay, maybe some more more detail. Okay, if due to some medical reason can a person switch the position of the right and left legs in tashahud? Uh, I will say to you, Amina, they don't even need a medical reason. If there's pain, that's enough. Yani, I want you to know that one of the blessings uh, of the sunnah in that the sitting position has not been made obligatory, but rather a sunnah is to allow people to what is well known to be a painful position, okay, to not elongate it so much. And if you are feeling in pain, to be able to swap, you know, here and there. Uh, if needed, so it's something which is permissible. Sunnah, of course, to stick to the right the right form, but it's something which is uh, permissible. Okay, um, right. Um, what's next then? What's next? So, um, just to summarize everything, the shara'it. Okay, we'll come to that in a second. Arkan, we've already mentioned. Wajibat, yani, uh, we've just mentioned all of their evidences, etc., etc. However, we do know all of the wajibat that we just mentioned that there's some difference of opinion. Okay, so for example, there are some scholars amongst the, in the, certainly in the Shafi'i school, certainly others, that consider, for example, the tahiyyah, uh, the tashahud al awwal, to be a sunnah, not to be an obligation. Okay? That the, the one that we're talking about right, right now. What would the evidence be? The evidence is that, well, um, uh, you didn't have to go back and repeat the actual act itself. And you just had to fix it with 
you know, uh, uh, just the fact that you forgot it was um, you weren't having to repeat it again. That would indicate it's not so important. That would indicate it's only a sunnah. We, of course, would go back and say, that's true. However, you are obligated to do the compensatory sajda at the end, which would indicate that it's not just a sunnah, but something more. But still, that's a discussion back and forth. You can see their argument. You can see our argument. So therefore, we can say that there is khilaf. There is a difference of opinion upon this. Um, Sheikh Uthameen says, also the other obligations that we said are obligatory, which is the takbirat al-intiqal, yani all of the takbirs in the prayer other than takbirat al-ihram. So takbirat al-ihram is the opening takbir, right? Which makes everything haram. Every other takbir, what did we say? Is obligatory. What did we say about the tasmi'ah, samiyallahu liman hamida? What did we say about the tahmid, rabbana wa lakalhamd? We said it's obligatory. That's the humbly position, okay? However, there is also a scholarly position held by some of the shafis, some of the other scholars as well, that they said that's a sunnah as well. That's a sunnah as well. These, All of these are not obligatory. So I want you to believe that and know that there are major scholars actually. It's a minority position, but major scholars amongst them that said, rabbana wa lakalhamd. All the takbirs. They are a sunnah, not an absolute obligation or whatever. What's their evidence? They argued that, well, when the Prophet ﷺ was indicating to the person who erred in his prayer, again, if you don't know what that is, you need to go back to year eight and you will find that, okay? The one who messed up in his prayer and the Prophet ﷺ then said to him, okay, I'm going to teach you the prayer right now. Listen very carefully. And he taught him the bare bones of the most essential parts. In that hadith, he didn't mention... He, did, he didn't mention Rabbana wa lakalham, Samiyallahu wa lakalhamida. He didn't mention say Allahu Akbar, etc, etc, etc. That's the argument. Our counter argument is, is that there are many things that weren't mentioned in that hadith that were that later on separate individual hadith have been indicated to be obligatory. And that's a back and forth again. So, and then of course, I don't need to cover the issue of Rabbi Ghafirli, Rabbi Ghafirli. Yani they said it's obligatory. The vast majority of scholars said it's not. And we actually agree with the vast majority and said it's not. So even these obligations are differed over. As for takbirat al-ihram, that's a rukan. Nobody yani, is disputing that. That's an absolute, um, uh, absolute, uh, uh, there's no doubt about that. Okay, um, let's have a quick reminder what the shara'it are. Shara'it is the uh, plural of the word sharita. Okay, and sharita means condition, okay? Condition. Let's have a look. Before I do that, let's answer a few questions. Sarah says, they never have a link I could purchase an English copy of the textbook. Which textbook are you talking about, Sarah? First of all, this text has not been completely translated into English. Let me make that clear. That's the text. That's the class text. Yep. As for the commentary, that of course doesn't exist at all in uh, English, all right? It doesn't uh, exist at all in English. As for the uh, texts, uh, 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 then uh, all of the texts that you need so far that we've covered, that's available of, from what we've translated. You know, the class positions and everything. You'll find that in the transcriptions, whatever. Um, Harris, I just want you to be random and asking questions that they should be asking at the end. Behave yourself, okay? So, Komi, this is what I want to do. Clarifications. So, can I clarify? The first tashahud can be praying. The first tashahud can be prayed standing up as it's not obligatory. 
<laughs> but the, no, you see, this. I'm glad you asked for clarification. But the last tashahud, as it is an obligation, must be prayed sitting down. It does make sense what you're saying, but the words you've mixed up. Okay. The first tashahud, we are currently have just finished the list of the obligations. It is an absolute obligation to pray the first tashahud sitting down. Absolute obligation to do the tashahud and to make it sitting down. As for the last tashahud, that's an even higher obligation. That's where the confusion is coming in. It's called a rukan. Let's remind ourselves of the three levels. Sunnah, lowest level. You're not obligated to do that. A wajib, all right, which is a second level, which is an obligation. And then the third level is a rukan, which is a pillar. So important, beyond belief important. Okay, again, go back to the early lessons where we covered these to go through the details. Simply put, the last shahud is of the highest importance. It's a rukan. And then you've got the um, obligations, which is what the first shahud is. You've got to sit for all shahuds. Have to sit for all shahuds. Okay, Basira is saying, when you say you have to repeat the act again, does it mean repeat the full salah? What act? No, no, no. And I'll cover that again. This is why I don't want these questions to be asked now. When we come to the, uh, when we come to the uh, thingy, um, um, when we come to the section on fixing prayer, then we'll do that. Amina, I agree with you. Zaf, wake up and make sure, yeah, that at the end of each lesson, you summarize the class positions. Yes, bro. I love that. Because then, you know, because what he does, yeah, is that he then waits for, Yani, you know, seven months later to say, right, is this the class position? I ain't got a daddy what the class position is, bro. You should ask me back then. Yes, bro. Right. You see, now he's trying to give it yeah, any disagreements and say it now. Otherwise, forever hold your peace. Should we, or should we go and review his positions? Come on, let's, let's review his positions. Let's see my, my boy where he's up to now. The takbir other than the opening one, obligation. Correct. The tasmiyah to say, obligation. Correct. This is the class position. And most of the time, we do stick to the humbly school. We don't want to be controversial. We ain't any, you know, nobody like that. We just, we just be some brothers on the mic. And that's it. Okay. The tahmeed is to say, Rabbana wa alhamd, obligation. Correct. The tasbih, to say once in the, pros the prostration, obligation. Correct. To ask for forgiveness, saying, Rabbi sunnah. Correct. And to say it three times is not a sunnah. Okay. We consider it to be a mixture to be a sunnah. So saying that two times, one time, three times, mixture of everything else, we think all of it is as Ibn Qudama indicated, kamal, excellence in utilizing, saying it three times is great, two times will be in line with the hadith. That's how I understand it. You see, I don't have that, that problem of trying to balance sunnah versus kamal. I'm saying to you that all of the narrations indicate that all of it and its use, this is yani, uh, something of tanawa, meaning that these variations are there to use to build yani, a different mood each time, just like we covered in a lot of detail about subhanakallahumma, allahumma ba'idbeinu bain khataya, yani, the dua to open the prayer. Different ones, different types, different moods, different feel. Yeah. Um, the first tashahud obligation, sit for obligation. Well done, Zaf. Well done. What a well done young man. But Ghassan, but Zaf, as Ghassan has said, what you need to continue with is not what is like that in the lesson uh, thingy there, uh, one hour done. No, that's good, Umbro. Today is very important because today is very simple. If I don't stop on time, which is in exactly eight or nine minutes, yeah, I'm not going to get any food. 
Yep. Other times, man's yani, independent. Man's not independent today. Man's dependent upon other people today. So, and I ain't going hungry tonight. Not gonna lie. Okay. And I'll lock down the I'm not going hungry tonight. That's all man's be saying. Right. So, um, where are we? Where are we now? Yeah. So, Shariata, okay, is uh, a single uh, condition. And shara'it are conditions. What are conditions? Conditions are those things which uh, are, happen before the prayer. The obligations which happen before the prayer. Um, and without it, the prayer is invalid. So, for example, facing the qibla, to be in a state of purity, to cover your aura, and all of that kind of thing. Okay? And that was covered um, not too long ago. Page 291 in this text, actually. Right? The um, uh, arkan, all right, have also been covered as well. What's the difference between a rukan and a shart, folks? What's the difference? These are absolutely essential as well. Right? These are absolutely essential. Both are essential. Both are essential for the validity. Yeah, uh, rukan is in the prayer. Correct. That the before is linked yani, to the prayer, but before it, that's the, the shart, the precondition, the pre-helps, right? Whereas the rukan is in the prayer. It's part of the prayer. It's actually from the structure of the prayer itself. So that's that's uh, awesome. Um, and then the wajibat, we said that that's yani, from the obligations. And uh, that's straightforward. And then the sunnah, what is this last statement? He said that, yani, so the conditions, the pillars, and all of the obligations that we mentioned before, they are what they are. The rest of the entire prayer is a sunnah. And by sunnah, what does he mean? Let's do this Let's do this, uh, uh, let's do this um, definition, then we'll close on it. So basically, it means um, that which is required to be done in the form of preference, as opposed to a wajib, which is command, something which is being commanded to be done. It is obligatory for it to be uh, performed It is absolutely necessary Whereas sunnah We're going to ask a person to do it If he doesn't do it He doesn't do it So a question will be asked What's better then? Okay A wajib Which you are being requested to do And you must do And if you don't do You've got to make it up somehow Or A sunnah Which is You know Parts of life And parts of the prayer And parts of your deen which you are not required required to do. Which one's better? Which one's better? Uh, and Sheikh Uthameen says that there are two ways of answering this. That which is from a divine point of view, from a textual point of view, and then that which is just common sense. From a textual point of view, it's super clear. Textually, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the Hadith Qudsi, which is narrated by Bukhari, the Prophet sallallahu said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, مَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلَيْهَا عَبْدِ بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبَّ that the slave will not get closer to me with anything better than that which I've obligated upon him. So what I've obligated upon my slave, he does that, that's how he's going to get close to me. So there's no doubt that that is more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From an aql point of view, if there was no text, it's absolutely clear that anything which Allah insists upon is clearly something which he appreciates more. And anything that which he is saying is easy, I'm not so fussed about. I'm not worried about, I'm not going to hold you accountable for, I'm not obligating upon you, it's obviously of a level down. So that's something, Yanni, which, um, you know, 
it shouldn't, uh, it's not very uh, difficult. And I'll end on this point, okay, that uh, one of the things that Sheikh Uthameen brings this point, so Mesa make a point that we are now at, starting again at the bottom of page 327 with okay, one thing which is I think a valuable point, a reminder that Sheikh Uthameen gives to us all is that you would think that that's a cut and dry job. He goes, but you'll find that the Muslims often fall into the mistake where they make the nafal yani so important, but they become weak in the oblig obligation. So they'll be, doing oblig they'll be doing the obligatory prayer and they're going to be struggling for, struggling for khushur and their minds all over the place, whatever. But somehow in the sunnah prayer, they're smashing it. And they're very, very good. They're very, very, like giving sadaqah, yeah, no problem giving it all over the place without any question and no yeah, any issue. But when it comes to zakat, trying to find loopholes, do I really need to, uh, is it something which is obligatory upon me, but my taxes, but I've got debts, but i got, always trying to find excuses. So, and Sheikh Uthameen says, this is shaitan classically owning you. You know, he knows, yani, that, you know what, I don't care what he gets up to in Nafaris, the obligations are going to mess up for him, because that's what you're required to do. So it's a reminder for us to be on point, being very, very careful. You know, Bilal, you just saved me all the hassle. That's the perfect description. People coming to Taraweeh, for example, and in their droves, and they've never been to a Fajr, for example. And they're so still in that prayer, and so focused, and they put so much effort, and they don't pray the other five prayers, or the other the, 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 the obligatory prayers in normal times. And they're worried about taraweeh. And you're going to, I don't want you to set me off, because for me, I don't even consider it sunnah per se to pray taraweeh in principle. I think it's a prayer that should be prayed at home. But I don't want to get make too controversy, because that's going to then derail the class. That drives me nuts, by the way. So that's a very, very uh, good uh, example. All right, I'm going to take one or two questions. Would prerequisite be a better translation for shart? Yeah, I think it's okay. I don't think it's a major. Um, isn't the class position to ask for forgiveness in between the two sajda by saying sunnah? Yeah. Yes. It's a sunnah, but not in a specific form. Okay? It's sunnah, but not in a specific form. Sahar says, what is the ruling in getting mixed up between the letters in Salah? I recently find myself accidentally getting mixed up between Sin and Sad, or to make the light le letters he heavy and vice versa. Sometimes I realize too late that I've done that and we went to the next position. I think the, the answer to that is that it depends upon how serious the mistake is. I want you to know that in the Sharia uh, uh, or in Qira'ah, there are certain letters in which there's a lot of leeway. The Dad, for example, there are riwayat or ways of saying dad which are very dali and very avali so you got dad da da in the middle da but you could have a bad version being da which is d on that side dal and then you got da 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 look at this da 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 you got, you're going down there. So you've got a letter which is in between and there's a lot of leeway to where it leans to and you might kind of get mixed up. Seen and sod, seen, sod is also one which is close. Yani, there's some laxity. You In the Qira'at, you will find yani, a little bit of. So I want you to appreciate that that kind of minor mistake is not something that you should worry about. And unless the meaning it was super differentiated between the two, the meaning is definitely changed, intention to change it as well. I do not consider it to be something which is significant. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. We'll close with um, uh, uh, this because I have to go. Uh, but that hadith about what is beloved continues as to how it is increased upon.
it's increased upon. But an increase is never going to, yani, you know, an increase can never be seen as more important than the asal itself. That hadith is a proof against you, yani. All right? That the increase is great, but the asal is what's most important. So there's absolutely no doubt. There's a consensus in actual fact that the obligation is more important than the uh, sunnah. Um, all right, folks. No, 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 the question was, what is better? Yeah, so the obligation is what is better. He continues to get more closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah then loves him more and more and more. But the obligation has to be done first. A person leaves the obligation. How can Allah love that person? That's impossible. Right? It's a, it, 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 yeah, it's an oxymoron. So what should one do when they... Uh, okay, we're going to leave that one. That we, actually, I'm going to have covered that. Okay? Covered that in a section. Maybe Mesa can come back to that. Uh, Bilal, we covered that as well. And that's it. Okay, folks. Um, which book on Usul al-Fiqh really benefited you? That is too big, bro. Allah alam, I need to think about that. But to be honest, I used to really enjoy Usul al-Fiqh. And one of the things that I did, just to close on this, is that I studied Usul with nearly every madhab or a teacher in every madhab. And that's something that I found very, very beneficial. So the Hanbalis did their thing. The Shafi'is did their thing. Um, you know, and I also studied Usul with some scholars that were not so fussed about the madhab. So uh, that helps to understand where people are getting their principles from. But anyway, Allah knows best. Sancho's going to come closer. I thought it was all over, but it's back on. Guys, Jazakumullah khair, everybody. Barakallahu feekum. Wafakakum Allah, inshallah. Back to a normal camera and all the rest of it next week. Um, you know what it is? Would that ask me to ask you? Please carry on on here. I'm going to stop the video, but please stay behind a few uh, minutes and just give ideas for a group chat version that would work either in Telegram or a different software. Easy. Can't be WhatsApp. It's got to be Telegram. But can someone who is an expert, maybe on what type of group that could go there, that could be made in a channel form that would associate itself or connected to the... So that would be questions and things can happen. Carry on. No, no, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not putting on Slack. We're not putting on new programs. It's got to be something which is as perfect on one's phone, okay? Um, but, okay, if it is, then then think But it's got to be Telegram in a way which is controllable. It can't be, because I can't be on it, other than once every week, odd, and neither can we, Dad, and it's got to be manageable. It can't be lots of comments. It's got to be easy so that it can be seen, etc., etc. So please give with Dad some ideas right here, right now, okay, folks? Uh, I appreciate, um, I do appreciate that. And just as Tahmeed said, this weekend, folks, okay, don't forget, I've got last breath on two different time zones. So you can take it on the London time zone and you can also take it on the um, uh, the American time zone. So 10 o'clock in the morning or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, don't miss it. If you haven't taken a class, you have to. If you're taking LP right now and you haven't taken last breath, you better take it this weekend. It's this weekend and next weekend, 10 till 2 uh, four hours each day. You either can do it morning or uh, uh, the afternoon. Just go to almaghrib.org London uh, slash London or almaghrib.org slash uh, Michigan. All right? Jazakum al folks. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.